Hey, Christ community, uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to be able to share a message with you. Before we do that, just a, an update on my family. Last week, uh, last weekend, we had a, just an amazing week with my son, Joel, getting married to Emily. It was a very cool moment for me as a dad. I got to officiate the ceremony and had uh, Joel, Emily and Joel in front of me, and then my son, Caleb, and then my son, Joshua, and then my daughter, Erin, and my daughter-in-law, Lauren, all as a part of the, the wedding party. It was just so awesome. And so my heart is filled with joy at that celebration last weekend, but I'm super excited to be here with you now. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask you to speak to us from your word. Um, open our hearts, Lord, to hear from you. And so we pray, God, that, that our hearts would be yes, saying yes to all that you have for us in your word today. So come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a chemical engineer. Um, it took me three and a half years to realize I hated chemical engineering. Uh, so I switched ma majors to teaching, which felt like a much better fit. And since I had all that math and science, I decided to be a math teacher, which is it, it's what I ended up doing after graduating and then doing student teaching. I went back to my old high school and I began teaching math. Now, anyone who was taught math um, in that age group knows there's one question that is repeated hundreds of times, usually in a whiny voice by algebra and geometry students. When am I ever going to use this, right? What, what difference is it going to make in my everyday life? And I didn't really have a great answer. I mean, most of the formulas, you know, in algebra and geometry are not used much in everyday life, but there is a basic algebra symbol that has a huge impact on our lives today without us even realizing it. And, and so what is this symbol? It's this greater than, less than, the greater than and less than sign. We all know what that means. This number is greater than or less than another number. We use that all the time, but not just as it relates to comparing prices at, at the grocery store. Often these two mathematical symbols become a core instinctive part of our everyday lives. We instinctively measure ourselves to others in terms of our finances, our clothing, our appearance, how good of a mom or dad we are, how popular our posts on social media are, how our work compares with other coworkers, greater than, less than. We are constantly living under the, under the weight of these two mathematical symbols and it is robbing us of life. It creates stress, insecurity, anxiety, depression, workaholism, pride. I mean, it eats away at our joy. So what is the answer in a world that is so focused on measuring ourselves and comparing ourselves? How do we live differently? Well, we're in the midst of a teaching series in which we're walking through the book of John. And today we find ourselves in a passage where we see someone who has answered this question at the core of their being in such a way that they have resisted this pathway and are experiencing joy as a result. That person is John the Baptist. So if you have your Bible, Bible app, feel free to turn to John chapter three, beginning in verse 22. In this portion of scripture, we are reintroduced to John the Baptist, who is a key person in the story of Jesus. So in John chapter one, we learned that John the Baptist had a growing ministry of teaching and baptizing people at that time. Lots of people were coming out to him in the countryside and they were, were being baptized by him. He's a big deal. 
In our terminology today, we would say this guy's gone viral. He is a religious sensation. People are flocking to him. So today, now we find ourselves in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. So we're told here that Jesus, after spending time in Jerusalem, leaves the city to go out into the countryside and to spend time with his disciples. And in that place, they were baptizing people. So we have Jesus and his disciples in one area baptizing people, and we have John the Baptist and his disciples in another nearby area also baptizing people. And in the midst of the situation, a conflict arises. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Okay, so these disciples of John are not simply making an observation. You can tell in the language used that they are worried about this. That guy you testified about, he's now baptizing and everyone is going to him. You can feel the panic, the anxiety in their words suddenly into their world that it seemed to be going so well, something else is introduced. Greater than, less than. This other guy, they don't even call him by name. This other guy is getting more people than we are. This feels like a threat to their well-being, to their identity. I mean, they've been following John the Baptist, their rabbi. They've been patterning their lives after him. And now all of a sudden they're made aware of the fact that his popularity is waning. His numbers are no longer, trend, are no longer trending up and to the right. His numbers are actually headed in the other direction while the new kid on the block, that guy named Jesus, is now the popular one. And that sends them into a state of anxiety and panic. That, that's what's happening here to these disciples as this greater than, less than paradigm comes crashing into their world. And the reality is this same thing can easily happen to all of us. We all have these moments when this, the greater than, less than measuring stick appears over our lives and suddenly we feel threatened. We feel afraid. We feel worthless because we're not measuring up to what someone else is doing. This has been a battle for me my whole life. And it's why I spent a good portion of my life striving so hard to succeed. It's because I lived under this greater than, less than measuring stick. Gotta get straight A's, gotta be the best student, gotta be the best golfer, gotta be the best pastor. I didn't even realize what was happening. I didn't, I didn't know then, I do now. I didn't realize how my whole identity, my whole life was wrapped up in how well I performed, how well I succeeded. No wonder I felt the pressure to, to be greater than in comparison to others. There are so many places in our lives where this measuring stick can begin to surface. I mean, so, social media is, a, is one huge place for this. I've mentioned in other messages how a number of sociological studies have been done on social media users, and that research shows that most people, most people who use social media feel more depressed after being on social media. They experience a lower sense of self-worth. Why? Because we instinctively compare ourselves 
to these curated versions of other people, their perfect selfies, their perfect appearance, their perfect vacations, their perfect bodies, their perfect lives, all those things that they're posting. And it triggers in us the greater than, less than paradigm. How does my life compare with that person's? Life becomes a measuring stick and it's never enough. Look, this is something that pastors struggle with. As a pastor, it's all about, often it's all about attendance numbers or sermon views on YouTube or book sales. We're always comparing those things to other pastors or to the attendance or giving numbers from before COVID to now or from last Easter to this Easter. It's exhausting because it's never enough. It leads to stress and anxiety and self-hatred, exhaustion, right? Recent statistics reveal that 37% of pastors considered quitting in the last year. Now, I realize that's, that, that's my world, but this um, greater than, less than uh, thing translates into your world as well. Whenever we start to feel the shame, the sense of worthlessness or anxiety inside, this is one place to explore. What are we measuring? Where are we feeling less than and why? So that's what's going on with John's disciples. And it's often what's going on with us as well. We, we often look at our lives through this greater than, less than lens, and it robs us of joy and life. So what can we do about this? What would it look like to get out from under this greater than, less than measuring stick? Well, John the Baptist shows us, he breaks he breaks the measuring stick, okay? He takes this greater than, less than paradigm and he applies it in a completely different way. Okay, check out his response to his disciples' panicked question. Verse 27, to this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. John had settled something in his own heart. John wasn't living with his need to be greater. He wasn't living with his need to have greater crowds, greater influence, greater numbers of likes on social media had they had that back then. John wasn't living in that paradigm. He wasn't driven by that need, which is so counter to our culture today. Everything in our culture urges us to focus on being greater than others. You need a bigger following than other people, a bigger church, a bigger platform, a bigger salary, a bigger bank account, a bigger portfolio, a bigger trophy. And the reason you need those things is because our world says those things define you. They define you. They provide a measurement of your value by comparing yourself to others. But as we've already seen, this measurement doesn't work. It's fleeting because there will always be someone else who is better who has a bigger following, who is younger, who is funnier, who is more intelligent, who is more attractive. Now, again, John the Baptist didn't live under this paradigm. For John, his paradigm was simple. Jesus needs to be greater. I need to be less. And that changes the whole thing. When our objective is to make sure that Jesus always gets the greater than sign, we can actually step off this draining treadmill of comparison and performance. 
Okay, so how do we grow in living the way John the Baptist lived? Well, there are two core truths that were settled in John's heart and they need to be settled in our hearts as well. First, we've got to see ourselves through the lens of God, the giver to see ourselves through the lens of God as the giver. Look again at what John says in response to his disciples' concern about everyone going to see Jesus instead of John. He says this, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. See, what an amazing and helpful perspective. God is Lord and creator. He is the one who gives us the gifts and abilities we have, the personality and Enneagram type we are, the appearance we have. He is the one who determined the culture and circumstances in which we would be born. I mean, we all tend to assume that we have way more control over these things than we actually do. Now, I'm not saying that we're robots in a predetermined universe, but I am saying that we are creative beings who were created by God with a specific purpose to fulfill your abilities, your physical body, your gifts, your personality, your passions, the culture in which you were born. All of those are things that God has uniquely and intentionally bestowed upon you for his purposes. When we fully embrace that, it frees us to be who God has made us to be. There is joy and contentment and discovery in having this posture of seeing ourselves through the lens of God, the giver. Clearly, John the Baptist knew who he was. He knew his purpose. He knew his calling. He knew what God created him to do. So when the disciples came to him in the state of panic, John responded by saying, look, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. John the Baptist fully embraced his role as the one preparing the way for the Messiah. He was fulfilling that role. He knew exactly was he, who he, he knew exactly who he was. And so he wasn't expending any energy trying to be someone that he wasn't. I mean, this is where we struggle. So many of us struggle, isn't it? Rather than joyfully embracing who God has made us to be, we compare ourselves with others. And we wish we were more like so-and-so. I look at other pastors and think, man, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was funnier. I wish I was more gifted in that area or whatever. And we, we, we all do this in various areas of our lives. And it is insidious. It is insidious because what we're ultimately doing is disregarding the giver. Imagine if you're a parent spending tons of time finding the perfect gift for one of your children. And you know this child so well, and you know this gift is gonna be something they love. And when they open it, they initially do love it. They're so excited. But then they see the gift that you got for another child and they start to compare. And instead of enjoying their gift, they sulk because they weren't given that other gift. How would you feel as the giver? How does God feel when we spend our lives wishing we were like someone else? And you know, the irony is that other person is looking at other people, maybe even you, and wishing they were more like them. A few weeks ago, I was meeting with my counselor and he said something that was so brilliant. He said, whenever we compare ourselves to someone else, it is always an unfair comparison because we're comparing our internal world, what we know to be true about ourselves, 
to their external world, what we can only see from the outside. And that is never going to be a fair comparison. I mean, they may look like they have it all together, but we don't know what struggles they have. We don't know what insecurities they carry, but we know our struggles. So we're comparing our real selves to their highlight reel, which is always an unfair comparison. I think this is one of the, one of the most effective strategies of our enemy to stir dis- discouragement in our hearts. All he has to do, all he has to do is suggest a greater than, less than measurement to use in how we see other people. And soon we will feel depressed and discouraged about who we are. And we will miss the joy of embracing who God has uniquely made us to be. When, when is, let me just ask, when is the last time you thanked God for your personality or for your physical body that has served you so well or for the gifts that you have? Not in comparison to anyone else, just thanking him for making you, you. When's the last time you've done that? So that's the first core attitude shift that John the Baptist had that enabled him to not feel threatened when people started going to Jesus instead of him. It's because he saw his life through the lens of God as the giver. Well, the second thing that we learn from John the Baptist in terms of having our hearts freed from this greater than, less than paradigm is to joyfully realize that we're not the point. (laughs) Joyfully realize we're not the point. When John the Baptist said, he must become greater and I must become less, he is revealing that at the core of his being, John realized a very important truth. This is not about me. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the point. All right, now in order to make this point, John uses this beautiful analogy of a bride, a groom, and the best man who is the friend of the groom. Verse 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom, i.e. the best man, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. See, John is describing how at a wedding, The best man is there to serve the groom in whatever way is needed so that the groom is joyfully united to his bride. The best man's purpose is not to take the bride for himself or to take center stage at the wedding. No, the best man's sole purpose is to make sure his friend, the groom, is united to his bride. So when that beautiful bride is walking down the aisle and the best man looks At the groom, he looks at his friend, the groom, and he sees the joy on his friend's face. The best man is also filled with joy because his whole purpose in being there was to see the longing of his friend fulfilled. John is saying, look, I'm not the groom. This is not about me. I'm not the one being united to his bride. Jesus is. I'm just the friend of the groom. I'm there to make sure that He is united to his bride. I love that picture. I love that picture. It is a beautiful and powerful reminder that I'm not the point and you're not the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus is the groom and we are simply friends of his who have the privilege of pointing people to him. It's not about us. It's about him. And to take this analogy even further later in the Bible, we see that the bride is the church and the bride, the church is to be united with Jesus, our groom, right? 
And so, so think about this. When you serve the body of Christ, when you use your gifts to minister to children or to serve on a prayer team or a tech team or hospitality team or in gen- generosity or whatever, you, when you're doing that, you are helping prepare the bride for her groom. You are serving your groom, Jesus. You're helping point people to him. Man, as a pastor, I know my own vulnerability to losing sight of this, how easily I can start to subconsciously embrace this idea that this is about me, that having a lot of people come to a service makes me feel good about myself. I would never say that, but it's what I sometimes feel. Pray pray for pastors, really. Pray for pastors because this is a huge struggle. We start to use the church to fill our own insecurities, and that's a recipe for disaster. And we are seeing this happening again and again in the larger body of Christ. But it's not just pastors, right? All of us need this reminder. You and I are not the point. Jesus is the point. And once we get this settled in our hearts, something amazing happens. Look at verse 29. <clears throat> the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Now check this out. That joy is mine. And it is now complete. John the Baptist is saying, that joy is mine. And it's now complete. When we know in the depth of our being that this is all about Jesus, when we know that at the core of our being, this is all about Jesus. This is all about him being greater than, him being glorified. When, when, when that is settled in our heart, it fills us with incredible joy. It doesn't matter how the numbers are trending, how we compare to someone else. The entire focus of our lives becomes how Jesus can be greater how we can focus our lives so that he as the bridegroom can receive all the honor that he deserves. I mean, what an incredibly freeing way to live. What a freeing way to live. There's there's something really significant here for all of us, no matter what stage of life that you're in. For, For those of you who are younger, what an important reminder for you to be you and to not try to compare yourself and to be someone you're not. I spent so many years doing that. Don't make that same mistake. Be exactly who God has made you to be. Don't compare yourself and despise who you are. Fully be you. And for those of us who are older, this is a really important lesson for us as well. I don't like getting older. I I, I still feel like I should be 35. I've been a bit surprised at how challenging it has been for me recently to be content in this season of my life and to not wish that I looked younger or was perceived by others to be younger. But I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. I want to fully embrace who I am in this season and what I have to offer to others because of what I've experienced over the the course of my life. So for all of us, young and older, the heart issue is exactly the same. Are we living under a greater than, less than paradigm, always measuring ourselves to that standard, or are we willing to wholeheartedly adopt John's paradigm, remembering whose greatness we are truly after? Jesus must become greater. I must become less. Now, I love how John, the author, closes this section beginning verse 31. Look at this. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. 
twice John uses this powerful phrase to describe Jesus. Above all, that's the place Jesus deserves. When we put him in that place in our hearts, this greater than, less than measurement becomes irrelevant. It becomes irrelevant. It no longer has the power to rob us of joy and to thwart our purpose because we realize Jesus is greater than everything. It is all about him. When I was teaching high school math, one of, one of my friends and fellow teachers was a dear, godly, joyful woman named Sandy Peer. I had her as a teacher when I was in high school, and then I went back and had the privilege of being mentored by her and being a colleague of, of hers. And so a few years ago, Sandy got this rare form of cancer, and the prognosis was not good. Um, one day, we were chatting on the phone, and she said, she said to me, the one message that I want people to hear at my funeral is actually an algebra problem. In algebra, she said, when you're working on a problem, your goal is to always solve for X, right? You want X on one side and everything else on the other side. And she paused for a moment and then she said, Alan, I want everyone to know that Jesus is the X. He is what every equation in life ultimately points to. She is absolutely right. That's how she lived her life and that's how she could exude such amazing joy, even in the midst of life's challenges. So how about you and me choosing today to stop living in a greater than, less than paradigm, and instead choosing the paradigm of John the Baptist, whose whole life, his whole life was about one thing, Jesus being greater than. Let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to apply this to our lives, to speak to us. So as we're quieting our hearts, let me encourage you to prayerfully ask, where is this greater than, less than paradigm at work in your life? Where are you comparing yourself? And what impact is that having on you? It may be envy, jealousy, shame, feeling like you're not enough, hating your personality, hating your body. What impact is this having on you? So Jesus, would you help us see ourselves through the lens of you as the giver? And so I want you to I want you to take a moment here. Just close your eyes and imagine that you're standing before Jesus. And as you do, I want you to think about those things about yourself where you feel less than. Things maybe that you don't like, things where you feel less than. Your body, personality, appearance, intelligence, whatever. So you're standing before Jesus. You are aware of these areas of your life that you don't like, things you feel less than. 
And I want you to now just look up with the eyes of your heart. Look into the eyes of Jesus. What do you see there? How does he feel about you? So thank him. Can you thank him right now for who you are, for who he has made you to be? Jesus, would you heal these places in us where we have despised or hated ourselves? Would you help us see ourselves the way you do? Now, second point of application here, I want you just to think about for a moment. Are there any places in your life where you have forgotten that Jesus is the point? That life is not about you being better than others. It's about Jesus being above all. Any areas where you've you've forgotten that? And if so, just acknowledge that to the Lord. What would it look like for you to allow Jesus to be greater? And in that area, can you say to him, Jesus, may you become greater. May I become less. God, do this work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.